Everybody, welcome in. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsFT.com. Coulter Nuanez, happy December. We're almost there. And by the time the playoff games in the second round of the FCS playoffs are playing out, we'll be there. So that's what we're going to talk about. All things FCS playoffs with a heavy angle, of course, on the four Big Sky Conference teams that are left in the FCS playoffs. Sac State plays at third-seeded South Dakota. Idaho, the four-seed, they host Southern Illinois. Montana State, the six-seed, they host North Dakota State. And, of course, Montana, the two-seed, they host the Delaware Blue Hens for the first time in 30 years. We'll be joined by Brooks Nuanez, co-founder and lead analyst here at SkylineSportsMT.com, talking all the way around the Big Sky Conference. We'll also hear from Ty Gregorak, one of our other lead analysts and uh, the, the uh, color commentator for most of the uh, Bobcat TV broadcasts throughout the regular season. And then we'll have a couple snippets from Andrew Houghton. Andrew and I weren't able to actually uh, sit down and record a full deal, but we talked plenty on Nuanez Now, our daily ESPN radio show, all about various Big Sky Conference storylines, including Dan Hawkins retiring at UC Davis, plus just some of the general prospects, players to watch, and things like that for both Delaware and North Dakota State. Big Sky Breakdown, presented in part by Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Also, thanks to Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com. Click on Small Business to see how Blackfoot can help you and your small business connect to more. Also, got to say thanks to Town Pump for keeping us fueled up all season long. Brawl of the Wild by the Mile, back for yet another year here at Skyline Sports, as well as ESPN Radio. And, of course, i got to say thanks to Dave Maldonado, Maldonado Law. Maldonado Law, your Big Sky Defenders. Brooks Duanis, Skyline Sports. SkylineSportsMT.com every day, every season. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Brooks Duanis chiming in here on uh, the Big Sky Breakdown. We talked for 40-plus minutes about the rivalry game and the fallout from the rivalry game, especially on the Montana State side, the fallout, the potential surge for Montana. But we've also seen this work on the other side of the coin as well with you know the winner of the game having a letdown and, and yada, yada, yada. But we don't need to rehash any of the stuff that's already happened. It's been two weeks since the rivalry game, and that's an eternity in college football. But now <laughs> it's, it's just like death taxes and Montana State's having to play one of the Dakota schools in the playoffs. This has been in the history of Skyline Sports, we've watched the Cats play South Dakota State four times. We watched them play North Dakota State. It will be the fourth time <laughs> on on Saturday. This is only year nine, so they, they've only ever uh, – who else did they ever even lose to? I'm trying to think of when there was ever a loss that wasn't to NDSU or South Dakota State in the history of Skyline Sports. There's never been, right? I'm thinking. 2014, there was the snowy Zach Zenner game. Five touchdowns, 300 Dakota, yards. Dakota Prukop on one leg versus Zach Zenner on four legs. That was he, ridiculous. That was one of the most ridiculous individual performances I've ever seen. He had like 250 yards rushing and another no, 100 had, yards yeah, receiving. Yeah, that was what it was. 300 all-purpose, five touchdowns. Because he scored four touchdowns, including three long ones on the ground, and then also caught like an 80-yarder and had a couple other on catches. On just an ice bowl, too. Ice bowl, and, and Prukop was coming off the injury. and So then 2015, the Cats... Brutal. 2015, the Cats missed the playoffs. 2016, they missed the playoffs. 2017, they missed the playoffs. 2018, they lost in the second round at the Fargo Dome. Troy Anderson was playing quarterback, and uh, Troy Anderson had a 52-yard touchdown. That was it. Cats lost 52 Didn't they throw a bomb the first play, and then... And Kevin Cassis, and they got... Three out of it. Yeah, they got three. Kevin Cass got tackled 10, on yeah. the goal line, and then they yeah. only got yeah. three out of it. And then North Coast State scored 52 unanswered, and then Troy had Ouch. the long touchdown, and that was it. Last time we ever got to see Troy Anderson play quarterback. Still should be. <laughs> 2019, uh, back in the semis, but the Cats lost 49-14. Then 2020, there was no season. 2021, the Cats lose to NDSU in the uh, 
national championship game, and then last year the after Cats lose playing to, South Dakota State after yeah. playing South Dakota State and beating them in the <laughs> in the semis, and then uh, and then now and then last year they lost in the the national championship game to SDSU. So here that, we are. That team they beat in the semis might have been like one of the better South Dakota State te- uh, state teams too. Yeah, it was a good team. That team was. They had the court. They had quarterbacks, two running backs, the, the two multiple receivers. That that team actually reminds me of a couple teams that are left in this year's bracket where they got hurt and they dropped a couple. So then they their right. playoff exactly. seating was exactly. weird. They're they're kind of like this NDSU team that's coming 100%. to Bozeman now. Definitely, they're like an eight and three team that had to play in the first round, but then they went on the road and ruined the bracket, and then they ran out of steam in the semifinals. That could be exactly what totally uh, NDSU does, but. I don't know. I guess that's where we'll start then. What do you think of the regionality of, of the FCS playoffs? Because like, to me, it just seems... You look at the eight games that are in the second round in this thing. The only team that actually has to come across the country and do anything is Delaware, coming to Missoula. The other ones, Chattanooga and Furman, that's a conference game. It's just a, it's just a rehashing of a SOCON game. Richmond at Albany, that's a conference game. Clone Athletic Association versus... And so then it means that the draws for the seeds are way tougher like Southern Illinois was in the top 10 a couple weeks ago. That's what Idaho gets. Sac State was in the top three a couple weeks ago. That's who South Dakota gets. And North Dakota State is North Dakota State, and that's who the Cats get. I just think the regionality makes the, the draws a lot harder. Like if you were to say after the eight seeds, what's NDSU, the nine seed? So the Cats are the six, and they got to play the nine in the, in the second round. This is the second year in a row they've had to do that. Same thing with Weber last year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I, the, you know me. I love the playoffs because it's a, it's a. You can win. Any team can win, right? Like who's who's someone that just got smoked? In the, Duquesne, right? Duquesne. Du, right. Duquesne started two weeks ago with a chance to win a national championship. And if you were somehow just run it and you make it to the Natty, you're gonna have to beat a bunch of good teams. So That's right. It, like not like a bunch. Like almost all of them will be good teams. So right outside the maybe a one or two first round games, I, I really think that strap it up right i mean play good teams it's true i mean it's it's like we say you know you can say all you want about the draw or whatever but like the last time the cats got the eight seed and oh yada 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 well they still had to win at the defending national champions in sam houston and then they also had to beat south dakota state who had played for the national championship that previous spring and then they get NDSU. so you're right you're gonna have to all these teams at the end of the day it's gonna be some combination of the dakotas the montanas and the idahos <laughs> that that are making up the the primary contenders in these brackets. Yeah, and I mean, I think that, you know, we see seeded teams like Villanova that have been good for 20 years, you know, like there's Even more, yeah. There's teams that outside of that like powerhouse kind of, you know, center of America, center of the Rocky Mountains, outside of that there's there's some teams that have great lineage and also also always make noise in the playoffs. You mentioned Richmond's in there. You mentioned Furman's in there. And, you know, Furman played at Montana, you know, year, years ago. Was it was that in the Natty? The National, National Championship in 2001. Beat them in 2001 in the Natty, you know, uh, and yeah. it's now Furman's back seated in the playoffs and, like, yeah. they're on Montana's side. They could play, like, sign me up. That sounds great. I love it. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Let's just... The only drawback is that you're going to see a team that could have won the National Championship get knocked out, and that's why you play the playoffs. That's why you play the playoffs. Because yeah, Richmond right. can go beat Montana in 2008. I believe they were unseated, or they were like the eight seed. Yes, and they can go win the Natty. Like that's that's awesome. Is this is the fact that you have such a familiar but also imposing foe as the team that you have to you get to play to get back on the horse if you're Montana State? Is that a good or a bad thing? I think it's what you make it. I agree. At some point, everyone, especially in Montana, I even it's starting to trickle into my blood. Ooh, ooh, North Dakota State. 
Right. Who cares? But what what we, what we you have said forever is, oh, let's get them out of the Fargo Dome. Let's get them on our home field. Now you got it. So you got to have an opportunity to capitalize on it. I, this is going to be. I a, think so. Yeah. This is going to be a put up or shut up for the Montana schools because the winner of the game in Bozeman is going to come to Missoula, in my personal opinion. Yeah, I agree. So. You get a put up or shut up every Montana State, and then you and then if you lose, then Montana gets a put up or shut up. They've been talking forever. Well, what if happens if the if the road to Frisco doesn't go through Fargo? Now it's not going through Fargo. Got to put up or shut up. Yeah, I mean, and the the only times it really hasn't gone through Fargo, which is never, uh, like the spring season and then South Dakota State. You know, they've pulled off a couple a couple big wins, and they've kind of been flipped the the big brother little brother thing and they've become kind of the dominant team the last three three or four years yep. and North Coast State's right there you know it's, it's a very similar concept but I mean here's a stat for you I would you know who I want to play if I'm the Cats who's that North Dakota State right tomorrow now sign no. me up yep I agree I was just talking to Brody Groovy about this like you could say oh we got to play all these you got this draw I oh, got a bad draw it's like well no you're the number two team in the country you were until you just completely Screwed it up by, you know, not making the right. One four-hour after four hour afternoon doesn't change being the number two team in the country. You, know? you still have all the dudes. You still have all the drive. You still have that entire offseason worth of focus, all, all this different stuff. So here's a stat for you. First of all, North Dakota State is tied for the most playoff wins ever with 45. Who are they tied with? The most playoff wins ever with 45. 45. And they're tied. They're tied that's with. Not, that's not the most. It's not the most. Wow. It's um, a school from Middle America. Mm, no, no, it's from the East Coast. Uh, southeast, yes. Southeast. Yep. The first, the first NDSU, the first Division One AA power. Is this the great Adrian Peterson? The great Adrian Peterson. Remind me, Georgia, Georgia, uh, Georgia Southern, Southern. Yeah. Georgia Southern. Yep. Yeah, the great Adrian Peterson. Winners of five national championships. Yeah. Georgia Southern went forty-five and thirteen. Yeah. People, people who don't know Adrian Peterson. Uh, not the one you think. Go look it up. If people who think the NDSU was going to be, who told you, Colter, more than anyone ever, that NDSU was not going to be the number one team in the country for the, for the remainder of all time? Because, like, you might be able to do it for 10 years. You might be able to do it for 15 years, but you can't do it forever. The Grizz. Ask Georgia Southern. Grizz have 37 all-time playoff wins. That's a lot of them. How many? A lot of 37s going on. This is the 37th anniversary of 37. Cute. Grizz have 37 playoff wins. You're 37 years old. I'm 37 years old. They scored 37 in the rivalry game. Wow. All sorts of 37. Yeah, it's lining up. It's lining it's up. It's magical. Magical. <laughs> Our boy Ryan Bagley was convinced last year during his 37th year on Earth that that was when the Grizz was going to win the Natty. Because, yeah. Because it was his 37th. And that's how Bags rolls, man. <laughs> tell me this, though. You probably don't have it in front of you, but I know that the, the I was surprised to learn that when Montana State beat number one Sam Houston... First playoff win ever. Their first the playoff road. win on the road. Yep. How many does Montana have? One. How many does North Dakota State have? One. One. The last time they came to Bozeman, right. 2010. Exactly. That was going to be where this trivia question led into. So Georgia Southern, 45 and 13 at all time in the playoffs. And they're obviously no longer in the subdivision. North Dakota State is 45 and 4 all time in the FCS playoffs. Their losses at Eastern Washington in overtime in 2010, uh, at home to James Madison. In 2016, when James Madison won the national championship, during the spring playoffs, uh, I believe on the road at Sam Houston uh, in the 2021 spring playoffs, and then last year in the national championship. So they've actually only lost on the road. They're one and two all time on the road, and and uh, 44 and 0 at home. No, 44 and one at home. That's a that's a really good number. Yeah, it's high odds. <laughs> it's high, high odds. <laughs> 
Yeah, high odds. You uh, know, I heard something this year. In North Coast State fans, if anyone's listening to this, who knows if the, anyone would from North Coast State. But oh, I, they're listening. I they're heard, the most consuming media of other people's media of yeah, any fan yeah, base. No, they're educated but, fans. Take notes, everybody, because if you want your program to get on a roll like this and you want to be invested in all that stuff and you want to build the indoor and you want to do this, you got to you got to know stuff. you got to be invested in not only the content, but the actual information. It's important. That's right, it is. I heard that they weren't selling out every game this year. Not even close. Yeah, I heard it was like... No, there was like 6,000 fans last week. Whoa. Yeah. No, they haven't sold out. Somebody they they, somebody they sent us sold, a message. What's, what's up with this? They haven't sold out in years. They're bored? They're totally bored. Wow. Uh, uh, like a, a 10,000 fan contingent of people that were passionate people stopped going because they got tired of it. They just, it's the they same thing to, over and over. They wanted to move yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They sell out when, North, when South Dakota State's in right, town. Right, right. When North Dakota's in town. Or, you know, like it's the semis. But, no, this has been going on forever. I bet you they haven't sold out a non-semifinal home playoff game in, in a handful of years. E- Montana fans, take note, right? Don't uh, no, no fair, no, don't be fair weather. Show up to the playoff games, but also know what you got, right? The, I mean, these is, places are special. Bozeman is, and Missoula, man. This is the discussion on the Bobcat message board right now, though, because there's several North Dakota State posters that are like, the fact that you guys are still on your ascent it's actually the best that the hype around your program's ever going to be. Because people are most engaged when you're almost there. How do we get to the mountaintop? 100%. How do we reach this? How do we beat these core teams? And that's what it takes, but it's also silly. Like, I always think that when the team goes and wins it and then they kind of fall off because of, like, the complacency, the, sure. the, 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 the you want more, right? Everyone needs more. Everyone wants more. Everyone wants more money, more opportunities, more. It's always a weird thing, but it it, it ends it tends to be true, right? So yes. I, Montana State on the rise still. I it's, it's hard for me to think that. I mean, Montana... Has, has Montana not been on the rise? They've just been steady at one of the top 10 teams in the country for 20, 30 years? Or, like, how, do, how does that compare? Like Montana State's been awesome pretty much my whole life. They lost the Grizz a lot. Yeah, they weren't awesome, though. Montana State never won playoff games until the last four or five years. Montana State's first playoff win ever came in 2006 when they beat Furman, and then they did not win another playoff game until 2011. Rob Ash won two playoff games in his entire career at Montana State. Yeah. Jeff Choate won a first-round game against Incarnate Word and then won a couple in 2019, and that's it. Choate only won three playoff games. Like, Montana State has less than half the amount of playoff wins as Montana. Right. Well, there that explains a lot, Coulter. Thanks for educating us all. I mean, the Cats missed the playoffs for 22 that's years right, straight. But, they, but, like, the culture and, like, the – and they still had players. And they, I mean, that's fair. Becoming nationally relevant is different. I mean, I think that the the – you know, people always say, oh, Rob Ash was only fired because he couldn't beat the Grizz. Rob Ash was let go because he couldn't win in November, and it wasn't just a matter of the Grizz. Like, they didn't win in the playoffs either. Yeah. They got bad draws. Like, they had to play Sam Houston twice when Sam Houston went to the National Championship both times. As I mean, they were probably the third or fourth best team, and they had to play the second best team both times. They also had to play North Dakota State one year as well. I mean, Daenerys McGee's playoff losses are to North Dakota State, Sam Houston, and Sam Houston. That's it. But he, but he played on teams that were the number one team in the country. For sure. And that was that was 15 years ago. No, so, it was 12 years ago, yeah. I mean, it's like, so like the meteoric rise, like over over six recruiting classes, you know, it's like, I mean, you know, generations of recruits. I mean, I I guess I'm just pushing back because it's like, it's all just if about, you're the number one team in the country multiple decades ago, I don't think that like the rise is just starting. No, it's, but, it's true. It's a reascension. Uh I guess what I'm saying is it's the, 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 the hope of winning has been the thing that have driven the Montana schools forward. 
and the bison ascended to a point that is never been ascended to really in cultural history. And it history. won't be again for them. And that's the guarantee of winning. Yeah, it won't be again for them because I you can't capture that. And then as the coaching starts to change and that's you start right. to lose a little bit of the culture, you can't hold it forever. You just can't. You just can't. You just cannot. And if like once the last piece of it falls away of like the person, the left tackle that knew about the old thing, and once that's it right. all goes away, Montana had to rebuild it. But guess what? They got the same coach back. <laughs> right. If you tell me that, that, that North Dakota State hires, you know, one of their most famous coaches, one of their best coaches, they've had three of them, you know, they bring back one. Didn't it? I, I could start to have a different conversation, but with what they have now and where they're going to go in the future, I just I think it could be awesome. But if they end up moving up, oh my god, think about you know how I feel about this about the moving up and oh, yeah. and becoming like like finding a finding your way into complete mediocrity somewhere yeah, 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 yeah. to where you're like you know you add a couple seats in the stadium and everyone cares a little less and you make some more money. <laughs> like it's just the dumbest thing in the world. Think about how North Dakota State fans will feel, how us FCS fans will feel if in five years North Dakota State is in a new league yeah. with Miami of Ohio oh, yeah, and action playing on Tuesday night but like action. a different action like a different version of action playing on Tuesday night and they're going like six and five like what a travesty the, the more pathetic thing would be if they're going to 11 and 0 still because that would happen yeah, if North right. Dakota State moved in the back right now they go 10 and 1 every single year who's competing with them no one. straight up no. give them 23 more scholarships and full cost of attendance with those facilities yeah. They're going undefeated in the MAC. I agree with you. I, so then it's even more it's more relevant. It would be better for them to go five and six and then have to like figure out a way to get back to being bowl eligible or whatever. If they went in there and rolled right away, it would actually make the interest even less. That's what's happened to James Madison. I guess that you took my thought yeah. and and, and yep. crystallized it more. Yep. Like James Madison is yeah. dominant CAA they team moves up. They gave him twenty three more scholarships. They're undefeated. Undefeated. One of the best teams in college football playing for absolutely nothing. You won't, <laughs> you, you'll, you'll see him on the December twenty seventh bowl. Congratulations. Yeah. Right. They'll be playing in the Alamo. Potato so, O'Reilly Auto Parts, but Coulter Orange Bowl, but Coulter the money player student athlete experience. The student athlete experience, these guys got cash now, man. It's a better life. Uh, nobody's co- uh, I should say, nobody Delaware is not coming in here and winning with a third string freshman quarterback that's played one game, right? To Missoula, they are they are definitely not, especially because their running backs hurt too. I think the Delaware's got uptail sledding. I, think I also, think, I also yeah. think they're completely overwhelmed by the moment. I just got an email from their sports information people saying their coach is not available for interviews this week because he's got too much going on. Oof, yeah. It's a lot going on. <laughs> Busy. Uh, breaking down the film. <laughs> breaking down the film. Uh, here's, here's the scout on the Grizz. They blitz. Be prepared. Okay, so then... <laughs> Is, should Idaho be on upset watch with Southern Illinois coming? To I think so. That, I, I, it's, it's I think, interesting game. I think it's just all about their style. If they play their game, Idaho rolls. If Idaho and, plays their, if, if, they if somehow, Idaho dictates the pe- tempo of the game, they're going to beat everybody until they get to the semis. Uh, correct. Yeah, I think that they'll they'll beat most teams. They're they're great talent. I mean, Javon McCoy is awesome. We all know that. Yeah. We don't need to bloviate about. He's a sweet player. He's a good good player. He's sweet. Um, awesome player. Good leader. Dynamic. But if they play their style, their tempo, they can control the ball. I think they're tough out. But if they get in a game where it's not that, I th- I think they have some a couple weaknesses so there. South Dakota's the three seed, but South Dakota's the three seed on the heels of. They beat UND 14 to 10. Yeah. And they beat North Dakota State 24-19. Those are I the two saw wins the North that, Dakota State. I, I watched like a big yeah. recap of it, but I haven't seen them outside of that. So I don't know. South Dakota is really good defensively. Yeah. But all I'm saying is that they had they're, they're they were nine points away from being one of those seven and four teams like Southern Illinois, Youngstown State, and UND. There's not a lot of delineation. Like if North Dakota State wins that game instead, they're the three seed instead of being, you know, on the road in the second round. So yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is that there's a there's 
there's a lot of closeness between all these teams. So Sac State at, at South Dakota, I think is going to be interesting games. So, South Dakota's six and a half point favorites at home. So it'll be a good game. I think it'll be a good game. I think Sac State has more weaknesses than the other three Big Sky teams. They in, do. In, in, the, in the playoffs. And it's not necessarily weaknesses. I think they similar to Idaho, they have to get into the right game plan for themselves. I think well, they figured that out last week because it was a winner go home and they played Caden Bennett. Well, they also got a little shoot, shootout too. They did. You, know, you get a shootout with them and you but get stick Bennett with your quarterback, rolling. Stick with your main quarterback. Armand Bailey's back being healthy. That gives them a, a real NFL type dude on defense. For sure. Marshall Martin, their big time tight end is also back to being healthy. So yeah, He was banged up in, in, in Missoula. He's, he's the first time I'd seen him live. He's been banged up since the very beginning of the year. I've known about him forever. First time I saw him live and it was you know one of those things where it was relative disappointed but yeah. that's not his fault he definitely looks injured but uh, I think that they if they get in a shootout which doesn't sound like they're gonna yeah. I think that that's a little tough sled now I think South Dakota's uh, you know just by the stats and what I saw against NDSU I think it's a good team okay and then uh, the one in Bozeman what are the cats got to do I mean to me same as the, you X, know. the X's and O's stuff is it just is what it is both teams want to run the ball both teams want to play hard-nosed football yada 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 like if, to me for the cats it's all mental they got to just put the dysfunction of whatever the heck happened in Missoula behind them they got to just they got to just move on Forward focused. At this point of the season, I think that I say this in the NFL too, because the NFL does it really well. This high level of a team, you can switch up stuff and you can implement like new game plans, especially right. defensively within two weeks. It's not, you can put a third linebacker on the field. You That's could right. take the nickel off. You could not play Lavelle Price and that nickel spot that, you know, is three guys that rotate there. And you could put McCade O'Reilly in and play all three and play you, three linebackers. And, O'Reilly and you could put him at the nickel and like put him on. It doesn't really, I don't think that you have to overthink it. Right. I think you should try to get more physical in the box yes. and it help the corners, help the secondary who we We've said at times, if they start to get exploited, it can be a slippery slope. I think that I'm not saying that they need to change their defense. I think that you need to become find a way to be more physical at the point of attack in the box. If you have four down linemen and you have five blockers, you have a you know you're taking a double team there, you're getting someone to the second level. Then all of a sudden you have one linebacker who's open for tackles, and you're just going to get gashed. Even if that guy plays well, you're giving up five six yards a touch. Um, and then offensively, Colter, you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Play Sean Chambers. You just got to play Sean Chambers more. I'm not saying you have to play him exclusively. Just play him more. It, it don't don't make it complicated. That's right. What are you running with Sean Chambers? Quarterback power. Do you need to have him have read options? Do you need to have him have this option of throwing the ball deep? Do you need to have him run your full offense? Just run power. And again, it's not to necessarily have him break huge runs, which we know he's prone and able to do. It's to have 235 pounds to the face three times, right. and then you get a running back. That's right. And then you get then you That's get Scott right. Shred. Then you get Davis. No, then you start to like, wow, man, that Sean Chambers, those last three carries were tough. Now you get a stable running back. That's right. Loosen it up a little bit with him. I'm not saying he has to be the focus. More guys get the ball, too. Guess how many touches Taco Dollar has this year? Three. Seven. Seven. Yeah, three catches. Three catches, right. Right. Yep. So, yeah, you just got to get more more guys the ball. And in something that they have not done recently, and I, I, I don't know why. Every team does it some. We saw the Grizz do it when they played the Cats in Missoula, especially early. I would just run with tempo. If you're scripted and you got 15 things on the card you want to get to and you already know what you're going to go to, run it with tempo. Start to get something so that you can then have, make, make someone think about it, right? Don't be slow at the line of scrimmage. There's no reason to be, especially when you have the athletes and you know what you want to do. 
run a little less RPO because while the triple option is what they run, that's what I've called it. It's what a lot of coaches have called it. When you have multiple options on a play, you're running option football, right? Maybe just get the ball in playmakers' hands and stop worrying about the decision-making. The decision-making, Coulter, after you get through your script, after you're playing with tempo, after Chambers, Malat can start to loosen it up a little bit, you start to run the football better, then you can really start to lean on some of those option things. I think that that option identity being your only identity is one that gives you multiple ways to lose multiple ways to not play well yeah even if you're running the option well it still gives you the opportunity to put the ball on the ground it still gives you the opportunity to make a bad decision and get off script it still makes you have the opportunity to stop to have a little bit of trust break between the play caller and the quarterback between the quarterback and the running back why do that when you have so much talent hand the damn ball off and run it up the middle have sean chambers run power does that make sense to you like why get why overcomplicate with the option early on use it as you start to get a little bit more uh, momentum Brooks Duanis, SkySportsMT.com here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Uh, he'll be in Missoula. I'll be in Bozeman. We'll have full coverage for you of all the FCS playoffs action on Saturday. SkySportsMT.com every day, every season. Thanks for doing it. Yep, thanks, Ben. Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items and get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Big Sky Breakdown, we're now into December, at least almost. So by the time football is back on the docket on Saturday, we will be into December and uh, a ton of fun stuff coming down the pipe. But I think that the uh, number one impression I had coming out of the first round of the FCS playoffs is, it's not a surprise, but the affirmation that there's basically two leagues in the FCS that have most of the good teams. And uh, then there's a third league in the Colonial Athletic Association that uh, has a few competitive teams. And then everybody else is uh, sort of in a different boat when it comes to uh, the football championship subdivision right now. Certainly the Big Sky with four teams in the round of 16 and the Missouri Valley Football Conference with four teams in the round of 16 are the premier conferences. Ty Gregorak joining us now here uh, on the Big Sky Breakdown. Ty, did you get a chance to watch any of the FCS stuff? And if so, what did you think? Yeah, I, I did, and um, not not a ton, I'll be honest. But I think you're so right uh, in terms of – now, I'll say this, though, too, Coulter, and you and I have talked about this. You know, it, it, when I think Montana, when I think the Dakotas, I think toughness. And the, be, the best programs in the FCS are, 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 are from those states, you know, and it takes a special – now – are, are those schools made up of guys from, from the West Coast and, and the East Coast? Sure. But to come to school there, to, to, to practice and live in the conditions that we do, it takes a tough kind of dude. And I just think that, you know, the, the best programs, the toughest programs are, are, are from this area, this region. Um, and, it, and it's kind of cool. 
you know, and, and, and I'll say this too. Now, any, anytime ESPN covers a big sky team, I'm happy, but shame on ESPN. I mean, seriously, the, 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 they're going back to the Kibbe dome. Is that what I saw? Did you see that? Yeah. Okay. So, so, so they're, as of this weekend, they'll have picked up three games this year for the big sky, two of which are in the Kibbe and one's at Sac state. I mean, come on guys. I mean, you got 21,000 and 27,000 reasons to pick <laughs> up right. the, Mon- the Montana, Delaware, or I don't know, one of the best FCS programs ever that's coming to Bozeman, North Dakota State, and they're they're going to go watch, uh, they're going to go show the Idaho Southern Illinois game. Okay, dumb. This is dumb to me, but sorry. I mean, you call me every week, Coulter, so you're going to get some of this from me. But I, think <laughs> I love it. Well, I mean, I, I do uh, think they maybe are kicking the can down the road a little bit, just because I think that they will come to Missoula next week or to. the week after, maybe. They they have to. They better. They, they absolutely, I mean, it, it, it's, I mean, obviously it was an honor and I'm lucky and privileged to get to do that game a couple weeks ago with Scripps Sports. But that, I mean, that, that atmosphere and that electricity, and it'll be the same here. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't think it, and, and I never am knocking Bobcat stadium and, and the fan base here, but it's just different. They, they, they cannot produce what they do in Missoula. In terms I mean, of hardly anybody can, right? No, you can't. But buddy, I, you and I've been to the Fargo Dome how many times? It's not the same. It's not like the they same. They all do their phone. They do their phones, and it's pretty awesome. Like I, it is very cool, but it's not the same. I mean, you, you. I've been to App State when you know when they were an FCS program. I've been to JMU. That's that was pretty awesome, no question. Uh, but nothing is the same as it is out here, in my opinion. I, I, South Dakota State can't rival it, and they built a, a beautiful stadium. It fills up, you know, most of the time. So anyway, I—that's not even the question you asked me, Coulter. You asked me about last week's games. Uh, I don't think—I don't know. This is this is what, and I would love to get your opinion on this because because I actually coached in the old system, right, where it was 16 games. You won your last. Thanksgiving was you know with the team and you played, and I feel like just a little bit, not always, but I feel like over the last you know, sometime now, the, the playoffs are getting a little watered down. You know, there wasn't a lot of great games last week. I mean, there, there, was, a, there was a couple close ones. It was great to see Sac State. That one actually kind of surprised me. I just, I, you know, I, I thought Sac was not playing their best ball when they should be. And to go to the Alaris Center and, and get that win was a big win because North Dakota, North Dakota had some big wins this year. That, that was a good one for, for our boy Andy. I'm, I'm thrilled for him. Um, I also thought it was just so good that they decided to stay with one quarterback. I mean, I thought that they, they were yes. rolling along, and then they decided to do two quarterbacks against Idaho State, and the freshman kid freaked out and threw three touchdowns. Okay, that's fine. And it right. was against Idaho State. They scored 56. Okay. But then they used right. that same thing in Missoula, and I thought it completely threw them off rhythm. And – Really muddled their offense, and and you know I get why coaches are enamored with the dual quarterback system and all that. But if you have one guy who's really good, like Caden Bennett is, I don't know why you'd go with the other guy who's only played a, a handful of college snaps. And they just went with Bennett, and they let him improvise, and they let him do all the things, and and uh, you know they scored forty two points against a good UND team, and don't look now, but Andy Thompson's got as many playoff wins as Troy Taylor, and, and that's awesome. And, and and frankly, and listen, I'm not a coach. I mean, I, I help you know coach eight year old flag football, and I was a coach. I don't know why you'd be enamored by it. I really don't. I mean, you, you, one could make an argument for what they've done here in Bozeman, but but I mean, how, <laughs> I'm assuming we're going to get to this. 
they, you know, the kid, Sean Chambers was a first team all big sky player. What I mean, sporadically plays. I mean, I, I mean, that, if there, if anyone has an argument for a two quarterback system, it's here in Bose, but the guy didn't play that much. And when he has, he's been nothing but dynamic, you know? So, I mean, look, look, look what Bobby Houck did. They tried it. They went back and forth for the first part of the season and it was a disaster. They weren't very good. And then, and then they then went with Cliff McDowell, and all he's done is won. It's all he's done. It's all he's done since taking the reins and not going back between Vidla. I know Ayats play a little bit, but not much. I mean, he, they, they have a one-quarterback system. So, to me, you know, being enamored, I mean, I, I just don't know why you'd be enamored anymore with the two-quarterback system unless maybe you could make an argument for, for Tommy Mallott and Sean Chambers. But, again, Sean Chambers doesn't play a whole lot. I mean, the guy two, two, three game, three weeks ago he played nine snaps against Eastern and had five touchdowns, and then he he, he got to back that per, performance up in in Missoula by playing. Do, do, do you know his snap count? I think he do, played do five snaps. Five snaps. Five snaps. Okay. Five. <laughs> I, mean, I just I don't, don't know. know. I, I, my brother and I have been going off about this. Like, how does this happen? Like, I, I get it. It's a complicated situation because Tommy Watts awesome. We both think that, but also, like you just said. Sean Chambers is, just in terms of pure football player, he is one of the 10 best football players in the Big Sky Conference. He's a first-team all-conference guy two years in a row. Yes, and again, we're, we, you and I, we, we, we sit and talk on the phone once a week, man. I mean, you get Marty into the studio once a week. We're, we just get to sit and talk about it. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but to, but to your point, just what we as fans and we as the guys that get to, you know, nitpick at stuff, what we see on the field is different. It is different. When you see 10 out there, it's just different, you know, and people can be, oh, well, look at, the, look at those last two throws against the grid. What, after sitting the entire game? Right, down 37 to 7? Yeah, he doesn't look sharp. I mean, come on. Anyway, let's I, talk about I, that. I, not I'm not good. in terms of the cats, but just in general, because this is the thing I've been like weighing in my mind back and forth when it comes to all this. Because first of all, I do think that most of the coaches that are predisposed to two quarterback systems are actually defensive coaches, because sure. they they like think about it through the defensive lens of how hard that is to prepare for. Like I know that Coach Houck thought about that because he thought about how hard it was to prepare for Sac State and Montana State these last couple of years, but. Then Bobby got back to the middle on this thing, and I think Andy Thompson did last week too. That's the thing is, okay, if you run a two-quarterback system, you can be hard to prepare for, except there's the element of – and this is where sometimes coaches on both sides, offensive and defensive coaches, this day and age in the modern era, they're sort of in denial of this because they want everybody on their team to have some form of leadership role. But, man, you need your quarterback to be a dude who is the dude on your team. I mean, there is there is a reason that Tom Brady has six Super Bowl rings, seven Super Bowl rings, is because he was the dude. He was the alpha dude in the NFL for, you know, 20-plus years. So, I don't know. I, I guess I, I just go back and forth because I just think that I, can, I get that it's hard to game plan for but on the other side you are just going to be in a better rhythm offensively and you also have this figurehead of leadership within your team when you have a defined starting quarterback Montana's a great example of it this year yeah and and remind me to go back to because Tom Brady actually just had a deal um where he kind of he kind of goes off on on the state of football and I actually appreciate my wife loved listening to it but 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 here just go, going back to the two quarterback deal because I've been there I mean a, a game planned against two quarterback systems the only time 
it is truly, you know, where you have like a mini plan for that other guy. Is it as if he's just truly a running quarterback or a throwing quarterback? Does that make sense, Coulter? I mean, it, that's it, right. That's right. Like, like Tom, Tommy, Tommy and Sean are kind of the same guy. They just look a lot differently. You know, like they, they're, they're, they're throwing abilities. Good. It's not great. Their running ability is great. Uh, but you know, if, if we had a true throwing, you know, pocket pass type quarterback, and then they had this other guy who had, you know, a little different skill set, meaning maybe, you know, running the football. Yes. We would have a, you know, like a mini, a mini plan for that type of guy. But to me, they have to be true too dramatically. Like I ask coaches, I talk to, I talk to coaches every week doing the TV stuff. And I, and I flat ask them, like, I, I, you know, the other guys are asking like feel good story stuff. And like, I actually want to talk football. And I ask guys like mostly because I know them all so dang well, or most of them pretty, pretty dang well anymore. But I said, does your plan change? No, they don't, they don't change the plan when they see 10 or four. Okay. Right. it, it, It doesn't change. So anyway, and then, and then what Tom Brady was saying, and I know you're very, I know you don't necessarily love Tom Brady, uh, Coulter. We've had talks about this in the past. He played, he played in 10 Super Bowls and won seven. Okay? <laughs> he did. <laughs> How's the Patriots doing these days? Yeah, that's you right. Know? That's uh, right. How's Belichick doing without uh, Tom Brady? That's right. But, but I'll say this. I, I, I'd, I'd love to uh, – do you and Coach Morningwig ever talk about Tom I just love we, we do, yeah. It. Marty actually told a great story on the show a couple weeks ago where when he was in San Francisco, because Tom Brady's from the Bay Area, right? He went to, uh, I think, Juniper Serra High yep. School or so, somewhere down there in the Bay. When Mar- when Tom Brady was coming out, Marty loved him. Marty actually went to Ann Arbor and scouted him. And at the time, the, uh, the head coach of the Niners, I guess that would have been George Seifert maybe, he was hung up on why Brady wasn't the full-time starter at Michigan. Well, anybody that knows the story from back then, you had Brian Greasy, but then also Drew Henson, and Drew Henson had signed this long-term deal with the New York Yankees. He'd already gotten paid, but it was all this controversy. And, and you know, they had to basically politic their way around. But Brady was the starter down the stretch during his senior year, and then he threw for like 330 yards and four touchdowns in the Orange Bowl. And, and you know, they, they lifted up, and, and, you know, they had a second straight top three finish that year. And Marty wanted to draft him in San Francisco, and uh, they, they couldn't get it done. But, yeah, we have, we've definitely talked about uh, Tom, especially in the origin stories early on. Sure. Well, he, for anyone who hasn't heard it, he goes on a little mini rant. And he basically it, it, it talks about the mediocrity of football, mediocrity of football, and how it's kind of gotten me- mediocre in terms of bad habits, right? And the rule changes and the softness and the, the wussification of, of America has started to rear its ugly head on the football field. You know, and, and, and I've said it multiple times on broadcast where I have to kind of watch what I'm saying, but like, you and I witnessed guys getting ejected from games for like, like uh, honestly, it, the, the one, I mean, the one that stands out to me. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I didn't think Danny Hughes was that bad either. I'll be honest, but, but Nolan Askelson actually didn't even hit the guy. He did he not didn't even hit, hit him. Like if you, if you really put it in, which is what they're supposed to do in a replay booth. He, 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 he like, like his shoulder grazed, maybe grazed the kid's helmet as he, he's going over the top. But you know, I just, you know, he was going off on, on how it's his job as the quarterback to protect his receivers. 
not, not, not the referees, not the rules. It's his job. If he, know, if he knows Wes Welker's running a, a dig drive route and, and Ray Lewis is sitting in the middle, he's going to decapitate him if he can. You know, so he's not going to throw that route anyway. Uh, uh, but it, it's a good listen. I don't know if you've listened to it, but it, I have for it's sure. A pretty good listen. I mean, he's a he's a well spoken dude. I mean, he's oh, for sure. I got to tell you this. I am I'm coming around on Tom Brady because here's the thing. You know, in the moment, you know, we always say as sports people, sports fans, oh, I I love this, I hate this, right? And it's not real hate. You don't actually hate anything or anybody. It's just sports hate, right? And Tom Brady, you know, he kind of drives me. He drove me crazy just because he's you know he's this pretty boy, and it seems like he's kind of over the top with his let's go, you know, type leadership, whatever. But I'm reading this great book by Jeff Benedict. It's called The Dynasty. It's all about how Robert Kraft built the Patriots and then the story of how, you know, he hired Bill Parcells and then hired, basically traded Bill Parcells for Bill Belichick and and how all this stuff happened in his relationship with Brady and Brady's internal leadership and stuff like that. I got to say, even though, you know, Tom Brady's little pretty boy ass does still drive me crazy, the consistency of his performance, the consistency of his leadership, and and also just his undying competitive fire. I mean, the guy is, like, compulsively competitive. Reading it and, like, putting it in perspective over the years, I have, I mean, I have to say, I've come around a lot on him. I, I can't say I quite like him yet, but, man, do I have a heck of a lot of respect for him. Well, yeah, that that I think that everything you were just talking about in that last segment, I think he lost a Brazilian supermodel over it. You know, I, I mean, we, don't <laughs> know right. what, we, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but I mean, he just, I, I mean, I really think he thought he could have played Del 50 for you sure. Know? And the way he lives, the way he lives and conditions his body and eats and just his, like he, he maybe could have, I mean, I'm not going to say he couldn't have. I mean, he, you know, you you watch those guys wear down towards the end of their career, but I mean, God, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, you know, before his Achilles, I don't know if you, you and Coach, I would love for you to ask Coach about the Achilles deal. Has it not been weird how many Achilles has happened in the NFL this year? It's like it is crazy. weird. Anyway, um, but no, I, I, so I've read that book as well. Uh, full transparency, Coulter. I don't really read. You listen. listen to books, so. Yeah, I do. I mean, hey, I, that's I great. travel so much with my job, and, and I don't know how many books I've listened to since becoming a striker, dude, which would be almost five years ago this spring, I guess. I got, um, a, I got a new one for you. It's called Football Done Right by Michael Lombardi. It is fascinating. You'll love it. Get it on your Audible. I'll text you after this, but get that one on there uh, for sure. Please, please, please text me, and I will absolutely listen to it. Uh, I, but anyway, man, yeah, Tom, I just loved his perspective because you just sit and watch – certain things, you know, and, and I actually do respect that the NFL does not have a targeting slash eject ejection call. I really don't. If you, if you, if you want to give a guy a 15 yarder, I get that for sure. But these, these boys only get 11 or 12 guaranteed games a year. Ejecting a kid, it better be bad. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Anyway, uh, well, back to back about? to playoffs. the back to the Big Sky <laughs> Conference. And back to this yeah. the FCS, oh, yeah. the FCS playoffs. Um, you know, I, I did think it was just interesting watching the first round because you know, I mean, if you were a betting man and betting these things, just bet on the big, just bet on the Power Three conferences because, like, watching you know Southern Illinois and Youngstown State against the teams they played, and you know, watching North Dakota State against Drake and stuff. I mean, there was really only a couple competitive games. Sac State, North Dakota was competitive. Delaware. Lafayette was competitive. A lot of it was just straight up, you know, the 
power conference teams, even if they're the fourth, fifth, sixth team out of that league, just absolutely pounding, you know, the the MEAC champion or the Northeastern Conference champion or the Pioneer League champion. I, I don't know. It just seems like it's a little bit diluted. I, 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 I see both sides of it, right? Getting an auto bid for being your conference champion is fun, but also, like, what team in the big sky would Drake beat? Honestly, any, any of them? I mean, Northern Colorado, Drake would be a great game. I mean, you can't go to the playoffs and lose by 63. It just, just seems like an extra round for nothing. I actually think Northern Colorado would beat them. I agree. Northern Colorado, Northern Colorado is not good, but they were they were competitively in a lot of games, and I, I, I the, yeah, that, that's a joke. That, that's an absolute joke. I tell you, I love this matchup coming to Bozeman this weekend. I really do, and I think you're you're going to be here to watch it. Yes, I am. I'm going to be there in Bozeman. Yes, I just I, I mean when you look, so you got uh, uh, again just you know just the the, the regionality of it. But you look at, I mean, look at Montana State's three losses, right? Number one, South Dakota State. Number two, Montana. Number four, Idaho. Well, North Dakota State has three losses as well. Who are they to? Number one, South That's Dakota right. State. Number three, South Dakota. Number 12, UND. So every team that we just said is still in it, minus UND, who lost, who lost last week to our boy Andy. So now, uh, and you and I kind of talked about this last week. I don't. We, we we both knew we would have bet the mortgages. We would have bet our women or you know potential future wives, if you will, Coulter. Uh, we would bet maybe children, future children, for you, Coulter. That 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 North Dakota State was going to win that game. Drake had no 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 business even being in the Fargo Dome in my mind. Yep. But I don't love this. I don't love this draw for the Bobcats. I really don't. For I, sure. I, I, you know, everyone wants everyone wants to say that NDSU is down. I mean, I am air quoting down because I mean, you, you lose a couple of games and they want to fire, you know, Matt Ants, who's done nothing but one most. Anyway, I just, I think it's a really intriguing matchup, man. And, and uh, all, uh, you know, all eyes really should be kind of on that one. I mean, I, no I doubt. you know, I, and, and I love the Missoula game too. I really do. Just, Delaware, God, Delaware's moving up. Is it? Is that what I That's thought? That's right. Yeah, 20, 2025, They're joining Conference USA. I did a little deep dive in the numbers. There's a couple things here. This is just quick, a quick aside. First of all, Delaware has 26,000 students, so that's you know significantly more than the Montana schools for reference. They also have a $48 million operating budget, which is basically what Montana and Montana State combined have. And there's two reasons for that. One, state funding. Delaware's a, a much more liberal state that gives a lot more money to higher education and in turn higher uh, education and athletics. And also the fact is that there's only one big flagship state land grant university all wrapped up into one. It's very much like Wyoming. So, you know, all those factors kind of go into it. Plus, you just have a place to go. Conference USA wants to expand in that region, whereas there's nowhere for people to land here. Anyways, back to the Montana-Delaware game. Well, I, I, do, I do like it, though. I mean, it just, again, uh, historical FCS, you know, programs facing off each other. This one, this one here is going to be awesome. Um, and that, that is that is interesting to, to hear. And, and I got to tell you, I'm more and more seeing these teams move up. And again, we've had we've ta- I've I've always said Montana and Montana State are in the right place. If if these two programs could financially do it in terms of the you know 63 to 85 scholarships, facilities, coaching salaries, training table, wouldn't it be pretty awesome? Just, just with all the restructuring going on, and I mean, it just it seems like it's never going to end. Or like every ten years, there's going to be you know realigning. 
but but my goodness, these two schools in in a Mountain West-ish type conference would be would be pretty awesome. But again, you got to fund it. It's got to be funded correctly. We 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 both see schools that have made moves up. You know whether it's D two to FCS. If you don't fund it accurately, you just it's it, you're setting the program up for a disaster. I do think the two games in the Treasure State uh, this weekend are going to be awesome. I, I I really do. I think NDSU is NDSU still. We, we talked about it last week. Coulter. Don't ever count the chance. I know they didn't win it last year, but they're still North Dakota State. And, and to me, it, it, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like what we were talking with Belichick and, and, and Brady. Never count, never count them out until they're out because they, they just they, they know how to win. They find ways to win. I love I love the matchup, both, both matchups in, in the state this week. What, what uh, the the one over here is a one o'clock. Is what, what time? At one is o'clock the, in Bozeman and then seven p.m. for the Grizz. Yeah, that's in- it's it's interesting that they put it put that at night, and then and then ESPN two. What time what time is the Idaho game then? Uh, Idaho the game's ESPN also at game. night, and it's at seven o'clock as well. Got it, got it. All right, well, lots of, lots of fun stuff. I mean, it's it's pretty it's pretty awesome that the four teams that made it are are all still in, and now the question is, <laughs> well, will they will they continue on? Because Sac State, boy, Sac Sac has got some fun uh, uh, trips to the Dakotas in the last two weeks. Yeah, they do for a, for a California California team. Um, I know I know Coach Andy's probably been to Vermilion. Not not a lot not a lot to look at outside of that dome. I'm not going to lie. I've yeah, been there that's a right. couple times. But no, man, it's fun time of year. I mean, we got the we got the championship games uh, Friday and uh, Saturday or at the FBS level. Oh, by the way, uh, you, you, I, I was I was alluding to you know Boise State and, and kind of we I mentioned them in a call a couple few weeks ago. How about that? How about Boise State, who's already fired one of their own? In Andy Avalos, <laughs> and they're going to go compete for a Mountain West. But I was looking at it. So they're playing UNLV. I mean, the most interesting matchup ever. Boise State, who's had a ton of success against UNLV, who has not. They've already fired Andy Avalos. I only mentioned this because it's a regional team, and you and I sure. know guys on that staff. They went 6-2 and two in the Mountain West. They lost early at the Huskies at, at Washington, who's what, number three in the country? I mean, they're undefeated, and yeah. With, with they're undefeated in another win against uh, the Ducks on Friday night. They're going to go to the playoff. That's just, that's a fact. Their other four losses, their other four losses are a, com- a c- combined 13 points. <laughs> they, they lost their, the, uh, minus the Husky game. Their other four losses are, are a combined 13 points and they whacked the dude going to the mountain. Like what if, if they win the mountain West, and then they'll, they'll probably play some Pac-12 school in a bowl game. But, I mean, welcome to college football, man. I mean, Jimbo Fisher's sitting in the Florida Keys right now with $75 million. <laughs> And Mike Elko's Mike already been introduced, and they're swaying and dancing, doing the – I mean, it's – That's the weirdest thing going, man. man. It, it, oh, Those people are strange, strange. Been there. I mean, I've been there. I've, I've, I've played – it's, it's an incredible place. But you talk about – Absolutely. I mean, Texas, Texas, everything's bigger and better in Texas. Well, is it, you know, I mean, how, 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 how many, how long has it been since the Longhorns won a championship? When's Texas A&M won a championship? I mean, you Never. know what I mean? Like, what are we talking about? No, I mean, no. So anyway, I mean, T- T- TCU goes and plays in the national championship last year, gets rolled and then loses to Colorado. Who's terrible Coulter. They're terrible. I mean, coach, the coach Prime is going to have another, you know, film sesh about himself 
and they they lost seven of the last eight. Just just saying. Anyway, what, what do you want to talk about? Well, last last last, last two things for you. I actually I think that the Grizz are. You know, you don't want to guarantee anything, but I think the Grizz are. I mean, they're they're almost three touchdown favorites. I think that's accurate. I think the Grizz will have very little trouble with Delaware. Delaware is a good program. They got great program uh, history, but they're on their third string quarterback. Their stud running back is out, and Montana's just rolling right now. I do think the other three Big Sky games are intriguing, though. South Dakota is a, a touchdown favorite over Sac State, but South Dakota, you know, as the three seed, they're good, but they had a four-point win over UND, and they had a five-point win over North Dakota State to get to 9-2. and two. You know, I mean, they're nine points away from being one of those seven and four teams that played in the first round, so margin of victory is slim there. I do think Sac State will be competitive in that game. It's the same thing with Southern Illinois. I mean, Southern Illinois was ranked as high as eighth in the country earlier this year. They dropped a couple, but they're really good on defense, so I think Idaho even though Idaho's the four seed, I think Idaho will win, but I think they'll have their hands full a little bit there as well. But then I think that the game that everybody's going to be looking at around the FCS is absolutely the game in Bozeman. So uh, I guess my last question on this one, Ty, is we know like the, the X's and O's of this, right? Both teams run the ball. Both teams play smash mouth football, all that. I want to talk about the intangible factors of this game, though, between North Dakota State and Montana State. To me, the two biggest keys are this. On the North Dakota State side, can they handle playing a playoff game on the road for the first time since 2010, and can they handle playing outside? Those are their two main factors. For the Cats, it's can you get back on the horse, man. Like Brent Vegan said it after the Cat Grizz game, he said, we got to get up off the mat. We got to stop crying. We can't worry about the past. We got our asses kicked. We got to figure out how to not think about that, though, and move forward. So I mean, what do you think of just about the mental challenges the Cats have from to, to, to bounce back after what was a disappointing loss in Missoula? How, do, how can they do it? Well, dis- disappointing is awfully kind of you to say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That, that, was, that, that was a disaster. I mean, it was that, a disaster. They fully melted down. It, it, they did. You saw it on the sideline. You saw it on the scoreboard. It was, it was just, you know, to, to have everything to play for in terms of conference championship, and all roads leading through Bozeman for, for postseason play, they, they, they do have to pull up the boots. And, 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 and uh, you know, they, I really liked Coach Morningwig's uh, perspective last week. You, you know, you know, North Dakota State will, will, will be stout, stopping the run. Uh, they always are. I know they're probably not as good as they've been in the past, but it'll be interesting to see if they try to get the throwing game going a little earlier, you know, and, and see if they can move the ball. You know, bo- both teams in their three losses this year lost the turnover battle. Um, in North Dakota State's three losses, they turned the ball over five times to the other Dakota schools. That's, that's, that's going to get you beat. Montana State does not turn the ball over often, but they did have one in Brookings. They did have one two weeks ago in Missoula. They didn't have a turnover in, in, in the Kibbe Dome, but we saw how that one went too. I mean, they, 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 uh, they had the ball for 18 minutes of the game, you know, and so – it's just going to be interesting to see, you know, what what Coach Ants and those guys do in terms of, you know, how how, how the the three teams beat them this year, and, and that that really is just kind of playing keep away a little bit, and and not letting the offense have those long sustained drives that they they love to do. And I think you got to get Julius Davis going early. That dude is a great running back. He's a great running back. Feed him the rock. And then we've already talked about, you know, Big Sean Chambers. Get, get him in early. Get him going. Get him juiced. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that, that's kind of it for me, man. Now, and I'll say this, though, too. The Bobcats haven't lost since October of 19 here in Bozeman. That's right. That's, 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 a, long, that's a long time. And, and they, they, they like playing at home. They feel good. They like following out those big, beautiful ponies out, 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 uh, you know, uh, 
with the flags and I mean it's it is a very very cool atmosphere what they've done and and, and Bozeman selling out games which you know which is what they need to do um, especially because they've been good for a, for a long time and it's good to see the community rally around them so yeah man I just think don't turn the rock over get some of those prime time dudes going early and then defensively they just they got they got to tackle man they got to tackle got to tackle because but it's kind of becoming a theme. You know, last year, last year it was, and I give, I give those guys praise every time I'm, I'm talking about them because they, they, they do a good job. They've got some, but, but they just, I don't know, man, they, they got to tackle. And, and I don't know if it's a talent deficiency, if it's not worked on enough. I don't know. I don't, I don't go to practices and, but my gosh, the tackling has been poor and it was so poor two weeks ago against a good team. And so that's what I'm saying you know, again, against the Easterns and the Portland States and Cal Poly's, you can miss a couple few. But against good teams, they got to go wrap and run and, 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 and get those ball carriers down. Otherwise, it's going to be a long day. And, and so I do, like, I do like the fact that they're playing at home. I do think the matchup is, is maybe the toughest uh, this week um, for, for a home opponent to get, to get a team like North Dakota State. It'll be fascinating to watch. I'll, I'll be there. I know you're going to be there. And then I, I can't wait. Are, are you going to try to you – know, you're not. You're going to go to Chico and actually enjoy some culture, uh, some culture time. But uh, I, I, it will be uh, fascinating to turn on the TV at 7 o'clock to, yes, to will. watch the, uh, the Grizzlies in the blue hands, dog. So other than that, we good? We get it all talked about, Coulter? We got it all. This is the most subject matter we've ever covered. Somehow we talked about Tom Brady and the FCS playoffs in the exact same podcast. What a deal. Ty Greg Rack, you're on the Big Sky Breakdown. Thanks for being here, buddy. Well, you know, thank you for having me. I, I don't know how many of these we got left in this culture, but send me the name of that book. I will. Li- I, I, I really don't think that I have ADD. I've never been di- diagnosed. Or I, I don't. But we I all have ADD, like- man. We live in 2023. How can you not? Well, I, I, I listen to like two to four books at the same time. I know that sounds weird. Oh, dude, but, but my I, wife thinks that this is my biggest sign of psychosis. I read between seven and ten books and listen to between five and seven books all simultaneously. I got 15 to 20 yeah. books going all times. Well, I mean, between listening to, you know, Full Ride with my old coach, Coach Neuheisel in the mornings, and listening to your stuff, usually a day late, and, and you know different podcast little joe rogan every now and then i do like listening to books so send me the book can't wait to listen to it and i cannot wait to see you here in bozeman good luck with your week i know you got a few things in the fire and i look forward to talking to you next week man appreciate it hi i'm attorney dave maldonado a seasoned litigator with over a decade of experience in montana have you been injured in a car accident If so, remember insurance companies want to give you as little money as possible. There's a reason why they have the biggest buildings in the largest cities. Don't let big insurance bully you. Visit BigSkyDefender.com today to see how I can help you get fair compensation for your injuries. The consultation's free and the fight's real. Old Works Golf Course is one of the most challenging tracks you will find anywhere in Montana, and that's why they host so many of the premier golf tournaments around the Treasure State. The 18-hole course measures at more than 7,700 yards, making it one of the longest courses in the Big Sky State. The Jack Nicholas design comes from one of the best players of all time and one of the world's leading course designs. Jack Nicholas has designed over 310 courses, including this gem located in Anaconda, Montana. 
Montana. Although right now, golf season is coming to a close, the Old Works Golf Course PGA Improvement Center, featuring PGA professional Andrew Alamey, is now open all winter. Andrew can help you with expert swing and mental coaching, plus custom club fitting, and they have multiple state-of-the-art track band simulators. If you're ready to get into golf or take your game to the next level, call Old Works 406-563-5989. And be sure to check out Jack's Grill while you're there. Jack's Grill is also open year-round. Old Works Golf Course, a gem of the Treasure State, located in Anaconda, Montana. Before we get into our prep extra and go through all the high school sports champions, a couple more thoughts from the college football world. First of all, breaking news this afternoon, and I don't know why this surprised me, but it definitely surprised me because Dan Hawkins signed a contract extension at UC Davis, uh, I think two years ago, but it was a five-year extension, and Hawkins has had the Aggies rolling along pretty good. I mean, we should be talking about UC Davis being in the playoffs four out of the last five years. Instead, they have made the playoffs twice under Hawkins' guidance. This last season was his seventh season at the helm there at his alma mater. But they didn't make the playoffs each of the last two years. And uh, Andrew Houghton and I both agree that was an egregious snub. But today, the breaking news out of Davis, California, is that Dan Hawkins is stepping away. He's resigning. He did not use the word retire, but I, I do not expect him to necessarily go pursue a different job. Uh, at least in the world of coaching, I wouldn't be surprised if he did something else completely. Like if he just ended up as a professor at UC Davis or something, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Coach Hawk is a totally unique guy. Every time you talk to him, you leave you, know, you leave the conversation sort of interested, fascinated, dumbfounded, and entertained all at the same time. He's just a he's a one of a kind guy. It's been fun to we haven't got to know him that well because Davis hasn't had that much crossover with the Montana schools, but we do see him every summer at the Big Sky kickoff and. You know, comes on a couple times a year here. But he's he's uh, no longer the head coach at UC Davis. And uh, r- certain reports from internally are that they already have their next guy lined up, and it's going to be Tim Plow. Tim Plow, a guy that uh, I've worked with quite a bit in my career. He was the offensive coordinator at Northern Arizona when uh, Case Cookus was the quarterback there, when Case Cookus was sort of taking the the uh, Big Sky Conference by Storm as the, the the first, the inaugural Jerry Rice Award winner as the, the top freshman in, in the country. And then Tim Plow went on to uh, be the offensive coordinator at UC Davis, and he was the coordinator there when the, the Aggies won their first and only Big Sky Conference title. And then Coach Plow parlayed that job into a, an offensive coordinator position at Boise State, where then that kind of fizzled out. I, uh, I would actually argue on his behalf that he got scapegoated there a little bit because there's been so much tumult there at Boise. Anyways, projected at least being reported that Tim Plow is the next head coach at UC Davis. I think that's uh, I think, I think that's uh, a good hire. I think it's a great hire, actually. And, I, and if, in fact, it becomes official, I do look forward to working with uh, Coach Plow uh, again. But I was just a little bit surprised. I don't know. Andrew, what did you think? Were you surprised by uh, Dan Hawkins stepping away sort of abruptly like this? Or what did you, What was your take on the, the, the change at UC Davis? Well, I was surprised definitely because, um, you know, never had any indication of this was something that he was thinking about. Um, but, you know, starts to kind of make sense when you also start hearing reports about they might have the successor lined up already because then you start thinking, well, okay, this is something that he's been thinking about for That's a right. while. This is something that he's been talking about the with the athletic department about. They've had backup plans in place, et cetera, et cetera. Sort of a very uh, 
like UC Davis kind of succession plan. Oh, right? that, that's right. Oh, that's right. I mean, no that's drama, that's no a, coaching surge. It's so funny. That's the other thing, though, is that you know people always give Michigan a hard time because they're always talking about, oh, we got to be a Michigan man to coach at Michigan. You got to be a Michigan man. Only only guys from around here know about Michigan. Well, Davis is like that. They're just not so self righteous about it. But they're always talking about the Davis lineage and the coaching tree. And I mean, that's the thing is you look at the the Jim Sochar coaching tree. And it's as wide, uh, it has a wide of array as, as as any coaching tree. I mean, Dan Hawkins is a part of it as a UC Davis alum. Chris Peterson, a part of it. But Plow's been there, right? So uh, I, I don't know. I just think, I think that that's, it, it seems that there wasn't a lot externally about this, Andrew. But I, I agree with you. The fact that if there's already a successor lined up and he is a, you know, UC Davis guy, well, there, there you go. I think that they've been talking about this for a while. I think that's right. I also wonder, and I don't want to, like, speculate or anything, how much does, does watching his son, like, really become a head coach this year, Cody Hawkins in his first year at Idaho State this year, how much does that, like, just change your mindset on the profession, on the passage of time? And like like you said, Dan Hawkins is the kind of guy who would think about that kind of stuff. Oh, he would. And that was what was sort of... Uh, the reason given is that he wants to spend more time with his family. And I wonder if, like, seeing his son become a head coach, deal with the same things uh, that he's dealt with for decades, uh, if that sort of shifts your mindset at all. Well, for sure. I mean, if, if you if you want to mentor your son, but he also happens to be a head coach in the league that you coach in, it severely limits the amount you can mentor him, right? Right, and that's been the sort of the um, the relationship between the two of them for a couple of years because yeah. Cody Hawkins was his dad's offensive coordinator at UC Davis, and maybe Dan Hawkins did sort of have that in his mind as this is sort of the end point of, of my career. Cody's going to work under me for, for a couple of years. He's going to learn what he needs to learn, and then... Uh, he'll move on, and then maybe I move on too. I instantly thought of Cody Hawkins when I heard this too. I thought, I wonder what he thinks. My initial reaction was, I wonder if he's mad he left because then maybe he could have been the heir apparent at Davis. Sure. But then I also thought, he's not a Davis guy. His dad is a Davis guy, but he's not a Davis guy. He played at, at Colorado when and, his dad was at Colorado. And do you want do you want to do that? I mean, do you- right. And that's the other part is then you just you get all these cries. Man, they already had to go through that at Colorado when, yes. when Cody Hawkins was the quarterback there. You know, everybody say, oh, this is nepotism. This kid's only playing because his dad's the head coach. And there was maybe a little bit of truth to that. But either way, Cody Hawkins on his own merit is, is certainly a accomplished enough and competent enough coach to get a head coaching job. And I agree with you. Maybe that was my second thought was maybe they they, did, they had also talked about this and that was never going to be part of the plan. Yeah, and maybe, you know, maybe that's still the plan for, for a couple more years, sure. right? I mean, is, is Tim Plow going to be there for three years and then maybe he's moving on too and they know that the, the job's going to be back open in a couple years? I, I don't know, but I will say, I guess, just to finish this train of thought, uh, sorry to see Dan Hawkins go, and it's a pity, as you mentioned, that that UC Davis team that he had there hasn't been more nationally relevant in the last couple of years, uh, hasn't made the playoffs in several years. Um, but that that run a few years back when they were in the playoffs was just a super, super fun team to, to cover with, with Jake Mayer. And, uh, yeah, they've, they've been fun to cover. I mean, that's one thing you can give Dan. I, I think that the two... I guess the three. There's three things that that left uh, a lasting impression for Dan Hawkins at UC Davis. One, 
He's certainly the most successful head coach they've had during their Division I era. He's the only guy to ever win a Big Sky Conference championship. He went to the playoffs a couple times and had him, you know, it ranked in the national polls pretty consistently over the last handful of years. Uh, two, just sort of the, the outside-of-the-box, quirky way that he he is and the way he acts. And three, they he brought a lot of memorable players to the league. I mean, if we were making sort of a an all-time recognizable, you know, names guys from the league over the last you know, during the Skyline Sports era, for example, the last 10 or so years. I mean, Alonzo Gilliam, Keelan Doss, Jake Mayer, those guys would all be on there. You know, I mean, Land Larson probably burst his way onto that list this year as well. So they've had a lot of relevant talent that that was, you know, within the discussion uh, of the Big Sky Conference. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. And also a big shout out to my guy Kevin over at Westside Private Gym. Kevin has a doctorate in physical therapy, and he is an excellent trainer and physical therapist. The easiest way to explain what my uh, new endeavor with him is, we're trying to break down all the concrete. And as you get older, you, you got a whole bunch of inflexibilities, immobilities. Your body is formed a certain way from all the ways you've been favoring your various bumps and bruises and injuries. And, you know, you can, you can make it through, but are you actually living your best life? Are you actually as mobile and flexible and malleable as you can be? And, uh, you know, I've had some knee injuries, some shoulder injuries. And so, I, you know, I work out a lot, but, you know, a lot of times maybe you're training in the wrong way or, or your muscles just aren't firing in a proper fashion. So, we're breaking down the concrete and building it back up. The first couple of weeks of these workouts have been pretty much just physical therapy based, tearing down some fascia, you know, loosening up the muscles, really working on the mobility, working on being mindful with the breathing and the muscle engagement, trying to make the muscles proportionally fire. That's such a key thing, and, and Kevin does such a great job of explaining that. So really appreciate him. Can't wait for the journey to continue, and uh, we'll keep you updated on what's going on over there. But uh, fit during football back for another year, and uh, couldn't do it without the Hype House or especially Kevin over there at Westside Private Gym. Talk about North Dakota State. Certainly one of the most fun parts of the playoffs, especially in the early rounds, is you get to learn about a lot of new schools that uh, maybe you only knew a little bit about or you you knew nothing about. North Dakota State's not that. We know know North Dakota State as well as any, any team in the Big Sky Conference, partly because of their dominance over the last 13 years, partly because of the fact that they're relatively regional. I mean, Fargo's, it's a trek from Missoula or Bozeman, but it's certainly in a similar kind of part of the country, uh, you know, relatively, compared to, you know, somewhere like Delaware or Richmond or Albany or whatever. And uh, there's also just so much history between North Dakota State and, and the Montana schools, particularly Montana State, and that history will get another chapter added to it on Saturday at Bobcat Stadium. Montana State and NDSU have played in the SCS playoffs. This will be the fourth time since 2018. The Cats lost in the second round of the FCS playoffs in Fargo, 52-10 to in 2018. Then they went back to the Fargo Dome in 2019, this time for the FCS semifinals. That was uh, Montana State's first semifinal appearance since 1984. 
but they uh, ran into a brick wall again. 49-14, the Bobcats lost in 2019. Then uh, no um, playoffs in 2020. 2021, the Cats roll all the way to the SCS National Championship, and they lose 38-10. So the margin has gotten smaller, but they've still gotten blown out the last three times they've played the Bison, but they have not played the Bison in Bobcat Stadium since they played them back in 2010. That team, the the Bobcat team, was the Big Sky Conference champions that year. And NDSU, that was their first ever Division I playoff appearance. But they rolled into Bozeman. And uh, that was like my second game covering the Cats for the Bozeman Chronicle way back in 2010. And uh, the, the Cats were up 17-14 late in the third quarter. And then NDSU just avalanched them in the the fourth quarter, and they won going away, forty two to seventeen. That was a really abrupt and heartbreaking end for that Bobcat squad. They had won in Missoula to win the Big Sky Championship and knocked the Grizz out of the playoffs. That halted the Grizz streak of seventeen straight playoff appearances. And uh, but then Montana State they couldn't capitalize on that momentum, and instead they fell to NDSU. The following week, NDSU lost in overtime to Eastern Washington, and Eastern went on to win the 2010 national title. That's the last time the Big Sky Conference has sniffed it. There's been a couple Big Sky teams that have gone back to the title game. Uh, Eastern went back there in 2019, the Cats in 2021, but it has been all Missouri Valley Football Conference with the exception of James Madison in 2016 when it comes to uh, the FCS National Championship. So, uh, But now the Bobcats get their first shot at the Bison in Bozeman at Bobcat Stadium instead of at the Fargo Dome. You know, Andrew, to me, I think that there's so many of these X's and O's diagnoses we can do for these these second-round playoff games. How do teams match up? How do they deal with the mystery of the matchup, all that? I think you can throw that stuff out in this game. You certainly want to execute. You certainly can be well-prepared. But there's no secret, really, what Montana State does. There's really no secret what North Dakota State does either. I think, to me, this, this game in Bozeman on Saturday, it comes down to intangible stuff. Can the Cats get off the mat? Can the Cats respond after getting beat down in Missoula? And how does NDSU react to being in a hostile environment that isn't the friendly confines of the Fargo Dome? I like that analysis. To me, Coulter, a lot of those intangibles might play out in what we see with the X's and O's matchups on the field. What changes is Montana State going to make? After getting beat down in the rivalry game, what's that going? Are there going? Are they going to have any new wrinkles sure. coming into this game? Because you know North Dakota State's run defense not the equal of Montana's. That's right. Who is? That's right. But very very good defense coming to town with the Bison. Yep. What are you going to do differently that'll let you put points up on the board? You've gotten two weeks to prepare for it. So so to me, uh, that's sort of what the intangible. Uh, analysis of this game is 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 Brent Vegan and his staff going to be able to adapt? Are they going to be able to come up with something new for this game? Are right. they going to be able to look different than they did? And that's part of putting that Montana game in the rear view. Well, th- this is where the balancing act comes to, to to the surface, right? the The tangible element is that Montana did not, Montana State did not tackle well against Montana. Is that a fundamental flaw? A regression? Or is that an intangible element because it's a mental thing and they can just get back to tackling, which was their tackling was great the first two months of the season? That's a big question. Same thing with the offensive execution, right? 
how much of their confidence stems from getting in the right stuff, getting the ball to the right guys, who's playing quarterback, what's their opportunities like at quarterback, what sort of rhythm are they in. I do think that the, the intangibles and the tangibles kind of go hand in hand, right? Like getting into a rhythm offensively, for example, is going to be a huge thing for them getting off the map, for them believing that they can win. So I agree with you. I do think that a lot of it, it's going to come from uh, the intangible is going to come from some of the tangible decisions that they make as a coaching staff as a, and as a football team. And that's got me thinking, and you've got to think with this game, the first quarter is going to tell you a whole lot about both of these teams, right? It's going to tell you, it's going to go a long way towards telling you the answers to those intangible questions. Is North Dakota State able to handle a hostile road environment in the right. playoffs? You'll be able to tell that two or three drives into the game. Is Montana State going to be able to bounce back from that rivalry game loss, or is the memory uh, of that game going to to continue to feed off of them and make them something less than they were before they played the Grizz? Well, I don't know, but you'll be able to tell probably two or three drives into the game the answers to those questions, Uh, sort of like you could in the rivalry game. right. right. You could tell two, three drives in the game, that Montana State was not up for playing at Washington Grizzly Stadium, and that turned out to be the case for the entire game. I think it might be sort of the same scenario for the Cats on Saturday. It, it, it certainly could be. The one thing I expect to not happen is, you know, North Dakota State, you could say, okay, they've lost a step. They're down a little bit. They lost three games this year. You know, they, they don't have a Jabril Cox roaming around the middle of their defense. They don't have a Kyle Emanuel coming off the edge. They don't have a Robbie Grimsley Roman the secondary. They don't have, you know, all these star-studded running backs or a Darius Shepard on the outside or a Carson Wentz or a Easton Stick at quarterback or, you know, Cordell Volson or a Cody Mock on the offensive line. You can say all that stuff, but the one thing is, okay, maybe they took a step back in terms of their overall talent or, you know, just sort of the momentum within their program. North Dakota State has not lost a game from withering within the moment or not being tough enough. Since this run started. And then, but all those games have been at home. That's No, it's it's so true. It is so true. And so can, can you can you get them into that mode? Because if, if they do get into that mode where there is a meltdown happening, like you said, they've never been in that situation. I so. mean, we saw Bobcat Stadium and it, admittedly a really great Montana State team get to South Dakota State oh, a no couple doubt. years ago. And no that South Dakota State team... Not the equal of those North Dakota State teams that was winning no. all those titles. Neither is this year's Bison team, though. Well, and that, I mean, that South Dakota State team was absolutely stacked. Though. I, I mean, mean, that team had the quarterback went to the NFL. Uh, the Chris, running back. Chris Oladokun went to the NFL. Pierre Strong, the running back, got drafted. Tucker Craft uh, made some Kraft big plays got, in that game. I mean, Tucker Craft plays for the Green Bay Packers now. Certainly, I mean, that was a stacked South Dakota State and team. And they still so, have. Right. I mean, Isaiah Davis was the backup running back. The Yankee Twins were at wide receiver. <laughs> right, totally. Jake Weineke was on that team. And they, they, yeah, that, that team was stacked for sure. So it is an interesting fold. Dwayne's Dow, ESPN Radio, Clifton McDowell, the quarterback for the Montana Grizzlies, will join us as soon as the Grizz wrapped up practice. But we're talking a little bit about the other side of the Great Divide there uh, in Bozeman with NDSU coming to town. Here's a couple just central figures in this game for North Dakota State. Matt Entz, still the coach. He's in his fifth year. He's 58-10 and 10 there at NDSU. Cam Miller, now a four-year starter for the Bison at quarterback. He's been super efficient, 75% completion percentage uh, this year during his senior year. His top target's been Zach Mathis, who's a six foot seven wide receiver, who's uh, who's had a good year so far this year. And uh, on defense, Cole Wisniewski is a, a former linebacker who's been converted to safety, and, and he's been very good. 
He's got 63 tackles and five interceptions, and he's certainly an All-American candidate. Eli Mostert is their main man in the middle. He was an All-American as a sophomore, but then he busted up his – he broke his leg, and he's taken a little while to come back from that, but now he's back in the lineup. He's a senior, 6'3", 290, anchoring the inside of that defensive line. And then their top linebacker right now at North Dakota State is Logan Kopp. He's a 6'1", 222-pound sophomore, leads NDSU – with 68 total stops, 7.5 for loss, and uh, 3.5 sacks. NDSU comes into the game against uh, Montana State, giving up 18.1 points per game. The Bobcats averaging more than 40 points per game so far uh, this season. Part of the glory of building a business comes from leaving a legacy to ensure your business continues thriving into the future. Have you asked yourself lately, what is your plan? Forming a personalized business succession plan is essential to know the passion you put into your business will carry on. Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth is here to help you navigate all your business succession and retirement planning needs. Give Nick a call at 728-6699 and keep the spirit of possibility vibrant while making your future more tax efficient with a personalized business succession and retirement plan for you. College athletics is a fundamental part of the fabric of our communities in Montana, and it's the stories of these young men and women that drive our passion at Skyline Sports. Coulter Nuwana is here. In 2015, my brother Brooks and I founded SkylineSportsMT.com. As a lifelong athlete, Brooks has an elite knowledge of football with a deep perspective with his time spent playing safety for the Montana Grizz football team, while I won a collection of sports writing awards, including 2010 Washington Sports Writer of the Year during my time in newspapers. Together, we can offer you the best sports journalism in the state with crisp writing, unbiased reporting, cutting-edge photography, and a grassroots feel that belies the corporate takeover of modern media this day and age. As Montana natives, we have a deep historical knowledge of the fiercest rivalry in the West. We share a combined 22 years experience involved in the Big Sky Conference. That experience gives us unparalleled knowledge of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics. If you'd like to experience this with us, visit SkylineSportsMT.com and subscribe for only $8 a month or $90 a year. SkylineSportsMT.com. Every day, every season. <laughs> 